Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. All right, Agile for Humans listeners, before we get started, I just wanted to make sure that the community was aware of the GoFundMe page for Mike Beadle's family. Uh, some of you may already know that Mike Beadle uh, was murdered in downtown Chicago this past weekend. He leaves behind his wife and six kids. Uh, the GoFundMe was set up uh, to help support his family as they figure out next steps, go through the grieving process, and just to make uh, you know, some of their, their burdens lighter as they try to process just this horrible tragedy. Um, the site is gofundme.com forward slash Mike Beetle support. Uh, the link is in the show notes, and uh, would just encourage everyone who's able to, to please uh, show support to Mike's family um, during this time. Just uh, condolences and, and prayers and support go out to them, and... and uh, yeah, if we can support them as a as a community, if you're able to do that, that would just be wonderful. Um, very tragic event, and uh, normally we do the the music and and some kind of intro. I think we're just going to pass on a lot of that this week and just go into the the conversation. Um, I do want to say say thank you to our new patron, uh, Alice Ostraco. Thank you for signing up on Patreon. That helps us uh, keep the show going. Your generosity is wonderful. Um, but yeah, let's skip the intros. I just want to make sure our subscriber was thanked. And let's just get into the show. So joining me today are Kurt Bittner and Patricia Kong from Scrum.org. Uh, Kurt and Patricia, let's take it away. Hello. We're good. We're good. So there's been a big event at Scrum.org recently. The new uh, Nexus Guide came out. Yeah, we um, just published the first change to the Nexus Guide. So Nexus Guide, um, Nexus was first launched in 2015 and be um, the very first update. And it's really good because it's coming right out after the Scrum Guide, the last Scrum Guide update. So we're able to align a lot of um, notions there. So for the listeners out there who are not familiar with Nexus, could you two give just a, a quick overview, you know, how it's different from Scrum, what it kind of embraced and, and added on to Scrum, and, and just how, how Nexus works? You know, I know it's normally a two-day course, but how about what's the, what's the one- or two-minute version? 
So um, I'll start with this. Um, Nexus is a framework that's built off of Scrum and it's for multiple teams working together to build one product. And it's different in Scrum in that it's meant for, for multiple teams. So there be some additional things that we added um, to look at that increased complexity and to, to lift up that transparency. It's really funny because one of the, um, everybody asks about the major changes, but one of the minor changes is that we used to call and define Nexus as the exoskeleton of Scrum. And a presentation, I'm showing a picture, but what that was intended to mean was that it was something that could be put over uh, multiple Scrum teams working together and be a barrier to strengthen them, but also protect them. And now we have a much more normal um, definition was that it's a connection, which is the real definition of Nexus, the connection of people and teams working together. Um, and that's it, did I miss anything, Kurt? Well, I think one of the interesting things, um, uh, at one of our events, one of the, the uh, one of your peers, Ryan, um, mentioned that, you know, as he learned about Nexus, he, he referred to it as it, it's a way of scaling Scrum without destroying its soul. And I, I think that's an interesting way to think about it is that many times when people try to scale, they think that, that it has to become big, it has to become sort of heavyweight, um, it maybe has to become a bit more um, sort of top down. And the intent of Nexus is to keep all the good things about Scrum, all of the things related to self-organizing teams, and improving collaboration and provide a very minimal layer on top of that to just deal with the cross-team dependencies yeah. and the challenges that come up when you have multiple teams working on one product. So um, I, I like to think of Scrum as that it's, it's the minimum set of things that you need to do to really do Agile well. And Nexus is sort of the same way. It's, it's the minimum set of things that you need to do to do Scrum well in a multi-team environment. Let me just pull on that a little bit. So that was with a professional scrum trainer um, from New Zealand. His name is Edwin Dando. And we had been talking about Nexus. And it actually brought me back when he said, this is this is scaling without crushing the soul. This is, we're agilists. This is about the bottom-up intelligence that's needed. And it brought me back to that genesis where, with Ken, we were saying, well, this is about the teams, how are they working together, and how they could scale. So what do we need to do that? And um, one of the... It's one of the longest and worst hashtags, um, but we have hashtag scaled scrum is still scrum. And it's exactly it's exactly that. It's that notion there. It is a pretty big hashtag, but I like it. I, I And what has so normally I, I will not have a discussion about scaling agile or scaling scrum on the podcast. And, and because, you know, all of the all the frameworks that everything just gets so large and convoluted, what draw me into uh, Nexus is that we're trying to decouple and shrink the problem. I really, I really appreciate that differentiator. You know, when you look at safe, it's everything in the kitchen sink, pick and choose, and and good luck, right? With, you know, with 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 less, and you know, this even this new enterprise scrum, you're really not sure what's at the at the core of what they're trying to accomplish, other than just do big things in a big way. And I, what I really like is how Nexus says, let's just focus on the teams. Let's figure out how to decouple. Let's figure out how to really prioritize. Let's figure out how to really support, you know, all these teams working, get the problems out of this complex space back to simple, as small as possible, and still deliver. And I, it, you guys carried through, I think that comment about maintaining the soul of Scrum is so appropriate because that's all what Scrum is. We're taking complex things. We're trying to, 
we're trying to move them back to the the complicated space get them get them built get them shipped get the feedback and continue building incrementally you know i don't know how you do that with any other scaling framework so it is really neat that that carried through i mean is that fair or have i totally misrepresented what we're after i think that that's actually really fair and very well said so thank you i guess we've been doing something correctly but it's it's almost like the message is hey if you need to actually don't scale what do you need to do before you before you scale and be really careful of what you're trying to scale if you really want to have that conversation about scaling what is it that you're actually trying to scale because if you don't have something good it's like taking you know something bad putting it in front of a fan and just blowing it right um so it's 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 really that notion in the scrum.org messages don't scale if you don't have to and then it's about this is about the teams right it isn't about oh we want to scale and that's that's a fad and we're going to tell the teams what to do they need to do this now this is about organically how are we growing and as a matter of fact i was talking to um ken schwaber probably a couple months back and he asked me trish has anybody said that this doesn't seem too new and i said yeah, yeah, and it's because organically what we did was if you're doing Scrum well or you're using Scrum well, you need to scale. This is what it's going to look like, and it's going to feel the same, and that's what you want to keep. Um, a lot of people get into the whole notion of Scrum zombies, and uh, when I did a talk about you know scaling Scrum without crushing its souls, what I showed as a Scrum zombie was just a really smart person who was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm unengaged, um, and this is really about the connection between people, which is what we needed to what we think is important and, and binding people together, binding teams, and then thinking about how do you break up stuff to remove dependencies. Well, one thing I think people make some mistakes when they, especially if they've got an existing project or program and it's very large and they think, well, you know, I've got, you know, hundreds, maybe, you know, even thousands of people working on this. So, you know, I need to basically figure out how to manage thousands of people uh, on this, on the single program. And as Patricia was saying that the, first thing that you need to do is basically scale down, um, not assume that you need thousands of people, but rather work organically from the bottom up, start developing a cadence, do, do all the things that you need to do in Scrum, do that well, um, and then gradually add teams and people as as you need to scale up and, and watch for the dependencies as you go along. Do other, you know, other things that you need to do in Scrum, like you know helping to remove impediments, you, know, you still need to do that in Nexus as well, um, but th this idea that you know you, that you've got a large problem, therefore it's going to have a lot require lots of people. That many successful case studies around Scrum involve taking a project that maybe had you know 400 people, I'm thinking the uh, FBI uh, mm. was it the Sentinel Sense, yeah. project, and you know you had hundreds of people, and the first thing that they did basically was reduce it to a small team, get good Scrum practices in place, and they found that a small team could develop. Deliver much more than than that larger team was capable of. So I think that's maybe the first, also the first message. Even before you apply Nexus, is first you know scale down before you scale up, and then use the Nexus practices on top of Scrum to to add those teams and remove the dependencies between the teams. Yeah, it's a common pattern. It's one that I've seen recently where a company wants to hire a hundred devs by the end of the year, except perhaps the work doesn't support that. And so it, it, they, it's typically the cart before the horse, I think, is, is kind of the, the pattern you're, you're talking about, is we think we need you know, hundreds of people to build these big things. But you know, so often I've seen where, first of all, trying to hire 100 devs in a major city is difficult and very expensive. And so in the meantime, you have a team of eight people who are just crushing 
the, the product backlog, they're hitting their sprint goals, they're, they're delighting their product owner and their customers. And at some point you just realize, yeah, we need to add another team to support this, uh, this suite of tools, but we didn't need 100. And as long as we manage those dependencies, we can actually continue with two or three teams and, and be very effective. You know, I, I know I see that pattern uh, fairly frequently. Is this really the pattern that we're working uh, against as we bring Nexus into the market and into, uh, into companies? All right, so before Patricia and Kurt answer that question, I want to tell you about this show's sponsor, TechWell. So the development industry is changing, and we are constantly facing new challenges, pressures, and opportunities in the Agile arena. In fact, the increased demand may have you asking, how do I keep up with it all? Learn how at Agile Dev West, taking place June 3rd through the 8th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Agile Dev West offers you the perfect opportunity to get, to get away from the office distractions, to immerse yourself and improve your skills in areas such as Agile and Lean Development, Scaled Agile Development, DevOps, AI and Machine Learning, Digital Transformation, Leadership, and more. Choose from over 100 learning opportunities to learn from industry leaders, find solutions to your challenges, and network with industry peers. Agile for Humans listeners, use the code AFH18 to receive 10% off your conference registration. Check out this conference and more at well.tc forward slash agile. And just wanted to let the Agile for Humans listeners know, uh, Faye Thompson and I will be keynoting at Agile Dev West, so we will both be present. Many of the people on the show that you hear each and every week will be present as well, doing sessions and other kinds of workshops and talks. Uh, this this conference is going to be fun. There's a, a really neat lineup of speakers. I'm very excited to actually attend the sessions and the workshops when I'm not presenting workshops. Uh, I, I think this one's going to be a blast. So if you've been on the fence, if you've been thinking about whether or not to do a TechWell event, I really think Agile Dev West is going to be amazing. I hope the Agile for Humans community, I hope you all can show up and see Faye and I do a keynote in front of the entire uh, conference. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, use that code AFH18. Uh, get a get a reduced price on your registration. Come and check this out. Let's all learn and explore together. I, you know, I hope uh, as many of you as possible can come out and join us, and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing you there. All right, let's get back to Kurt and Patricia. But I think there's there are certainly preconceptions about what scaling means, and uh, one of the one one of the things that we run into a lot is that an organization will say, well, we you know we think Agile is a good thing. We've had some good success with Scrum. Now we want to roll it out everywhere. Right. Um, and that also isn't very scalable in a sense because, you know, people need to get used to working together as a team and they need to build their skills and they need to remove impediments. And so um, the other thing that I find is that uh, organizations scale team by team and product by product and, and they're trying to roll out something like Scrum using, a you know, kind of a waterfall process just doesn't make sense. You know, the, and what I mean by that is that where you've got you know, you need to train X number of people per month, and then you roll them onto teams. X number of people need, you know, dozens of Scrum masters simultaneously, and that also is not very, um, very much in the spirit of Scrum. So, um, you know, focus. The thing I like about both Scrum and Nexus is it focuses on building good, effective, strong teams, helping them to work together better, and then using that as the basis for both product delivery, but also ultimately scaling. So I think you know the other pieces that, you know, organ when organizations adopt things like Nexus, working more organically and, and continually focusing on building good, strong, cross-functional teams that are empowered is really the important thing. That's where you get the productivity, not by checking off the box that you 
you know, you've sort of, you know, spun up X number of teams and they're all sort of launched and ready to go because, you know, your, your point about you can't hire 100 developers overnight and you also can't, you know, basically enable that, you know, hundreds or dozens of teams overnight. You know, it's a, everybody has a different adoption rate and progress and yeah. you have to respect that. Yeah, I mean, the opposite of this notion, <coughs> the alternate notion of um, scale scrum is still scrum is what Kurt's saying is don't use waterfall to scale agile, right? So it's it's that notion that's in there. Um, and I've definitely seen with Nexus um, different scenarios. And it's, 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 hey, let's start, we're going to start small, and we're going to, you know, do this really well. And that that works, right? Building that solid ground. Um, and you've seen other teams, it's just they have that. That's what their situation with the organization is. They have several teams, and they've been using Scrum, and now they're, um, they're going to use Nexus. And they face different problems, like, you know, what's our product? How are we going to do this? And and they have to get through that, and that's with good good um, good practices. But it's it's interesting. It's just you know what in the end, it's almost do what works. And agile isn't the goal. Nexus isn't the goal. It's it's bringing delivering and delighting your customers, delivering value to your customers, and that's where we have been talking a lot about um, measurement. But that's for another day. So along with uh, aligning to the new Scrum Guide, and listeners will, will remember we had Dave West on a few episodes ago to to tell us about the the Scrum Guide updates, which were were somewhat significant. I think it expanded the role of Scrum outside of software, or it at least made that more explicit. Uh, we added uh, a continuous improvement item from the sprint retrospective back to the product backlog. Uh, we made the three questions in the daily Scrum optional explicitly, right? Instead of the legalist view of, of the Scrum guide was thou shalt answer the questions and do it for every person, and now it's, it's uh, more free form and optional. Uh, so aside from aligning to some of those changes uh, in the Nexus guide, what were some of the other big changes or some of the even just mental shifts or, or some things that really stand out to the two of you about what's in this new update? So um, in general, the big theme that we followed with the Scrum guide, and it was it was in there um, in general for the Nexus guide, was around the notion of continuous improvement. So there are slight things that are in there. Um, but I would say the two things really were very much around, um, so clarification is the first update. And the first thing we need to um, just add a little bit more around um, was around the, the new role of the Nexus integration team. Um, and then just the notion of, actually two more things, was this notion of lifting transparency. Transparency is so important at scale. Um, it's important in general, but even at scale. And then um, the notion of um, us adding the Creative Commons license. So we wanted to make this open to everybody in the world. It was already offered free on our website, but adding that license is saying, hey, we are sharing this uh, with the whole world and everybody can reuse its content. So that's truly in line with us trying to follow our mission um, at Scrum.org, which is improving the profession of software delivery. So that the notion of the Nexus integration team, we always joke about it's it's one of those names that um, we're obviously very poor at choosing names um, because the key things to remember about the Nexus integration team is that first of all, it's not really a team, and the second thing is that it doesn't do integration. <laughs> and what we mean by that is that most of the people on the Nexus integration team are really full-time members of the Scrum teams, and. The, and, the, and the Nexus integration team isn't responsible for integrating the product that the, the Scrum teams produce, but rather 
it's accountable for the overall delivery of the Nexus. And so most of the time, the scrum teams are going to do the integration work and, and everything just works normally. So when everything's running perfectly, the Nexus integration team is kind of this thing that sits in the background. It's really more conceptual. Um, got the product owner and the Nexus integration team and a scrum master for the Nexus, but otherwise the, the members are mostly virtual. But when, when, the team, when the scrum teams aren't able to deliver a working increment, then it can be difficult sometimes for those scrum teams to really collaborate effectively. Sometimes it's the very collaboration between the teams that's preventing them from delivering working software or working product. And so then these people who are on the scrum teams who are part of the Nexus integration team, then essentially then form together, um, you know, think about, you know, they're, 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 they're kind of, they, they understand the issues from a bottom-up standpoint and they then help the rest of the scrum teams resolve whatever issues are there. And so uh, it, it's, it's in a sense a team that comes into being or, or really becomes becomes visible when things are going badly um, and when, when the, the Nexus needs some help in correcting. And so that's one of the major misconceptions that you know we sometimes hear people who just hear the term Nexus integration team object to that and say, well, you know, that, that sounds like there's a, you know, the big team of, you know, the big brains and, you know, they're, they're going to kind of keep everybody in line. And that's not it at all. It's really more of a way of using bottom-up intelligence to self-organize around solving that problem, but in a way that's more structured than, than just saying, well, you know, people on the scrum teams are just going to get together and do the right thing because sometimes they can't and, and you need a way of breaking through that. All right. So the, the intent of the Nexus integration team is to have that accountability and it's, you know, somebody, if, if it was, we get in the time machine, maybe we would call it the Nexus enablement team, but it's, um, that notion of integration was so important and maybe it's just about integrating the team. So they're not actually doing the work and, um, but they're really just driving, um, the focus on integration for the entire Nexus, right? So they're representatives from the different teams. They're comprised of the right people. I wouldn't expect that it's all scrum masters or anything like that. And they're there to help coach and guide. Almost some people might bend and say it's almost like the scrum master to scrum. That's what the Nexus integration team is um, to Nexus. But there's two things is to drive accountability for the entire Nexus and also to make sure that bottom up intelligence is there. So um, in addition to it not being an integration team, it is also not a management team, which could be the other misconception. Um, there's no there's no authority in that in that sense, but it's very much a we are them, they are us. How do we how do we how do we work together as a nexus? It's a good clarification. You know, the name is interesting. It's it's an integration of the teams across the entire, you know, you know, product. It's it's a way to increase and bring transparency. Or in, actually, it feels like it, in, it enables and ensures or preserves transparency. And so I name. Naming aside, certainly a necessary function, and and thanks for that deep dive on it, because I think that is one of those contentious points. Even in you know some of our face to faces as PSTs, people still bring up the the NIT and and how that how that works, and there's a lot of confusion. So I appreciate you walking through that, and hopefully we've dispelled a another scrum myth uh, with with <laughs> that. Uh, alongside of the of the updated uh, Nexus guide came a book. So you're now a I don't know if you were before, Patricia, but you're now a published author along with Kurt and Dave uh, with the with the Nexus framework for scaling Scrum. It's uh, from Addison Wesley. It's part of a new series from Scrum.org. It's the professional Scrum series. Now, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, I'm actually uh, just starting the process of doing a book with the pragmatic programmers, and 
I'm at I'm at page one and you've completed and <laughs> I think I'd rather be where you're sitting because I'm starting to learn the the crazy journey of writing a book. But uh, congratulations, first and foremost, to the two of you. And and what can you uh, tell us about this book? Awesome, thank you. So um, if I hit it first, uh, it is my first book. So 2017, I tweeted this actually. I wrote a book. 2018, I'm going to learn how to swim. Um, but it is, it is. I think this book was really interesting because we already have a lot of information out there about Nexus in general, just about the framework, case studies, white papers. What would this look like? A lot of deep dive. And so um, Kurt and I, when we were thinking, and especially Kurt had a great idea, is let's weave some real, well, a case study into this. And what are those challenges that organizations face when they're thinking about scaling? And what would that look? And what are the good decisions and bad decisions? And so how would they start to adopt Nexus? And then actually, in addition to that, what other kind of practices would they would they adopt to help them succeed? So I'll let Kurt get into it more, but it's definitely a really nicely woven story with the theory of Nexus, talking about Scrum, additional practices that people can use and pick up. Um, and it just hits everything. It hits everything from, you know, scaling crap to distributed teams to so many dysfunctions in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, we did have, have this challenge because the Nexus guide is out there. Um, you know, it is comprehensive. There's not anything left out of it. But it's also written in a very declarative style, so it just, it, you know, almost not quite like a legal document, but you know, it, it's very declarative. It says this is the next, this is what a nexus integration team is. This is how it's composed, etc. So what's what's left missing from the nexus guide is really examples of how to apply the ideas. And so we came up with this idea of having a case study of a team or a small company delivering a product and they, they start off as one team, they get through sort of a, a prototype, um, that looks good, they get some additional funding, they wanna take the product to market faster, so they need to hire more people and add more teams. And then as they grow, they start to run into these complexities. They try just an informal scrum of scrums first, and then they, they found some problems with that. And then gradually they, they, they learn, they, they apply, some nexus ideas and then they they run into some other problems and the, um, it wasn't necessarily meant um, as a compliment but one of the reviewers of the book another pst um, commented that well you know the 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 team in this book is just making all the all the mistakes everybody always makes and you know can't you just you know tell them you know describe how to do it right but we actually wanted to show that the, the common errors that people make, and, and first of all, show that you can recover from those. You know, if, if you stumble at first and you don't achieve what you you want, you learn. You you know, we always talk about inspect and adapt. So you you learn, you improve, and to show how the, the concepts of Nexus can help the team overcome those problems, overcome the scaling problems. And so it was not necessary to illustrate them having the problem and then show how. Nexus can do it. So I like the way that it worked out with, you know, we've got case study interspersed with commentary on how the practices and techniques in Nexus help to solve specific problems. And as Patricia mentioned, you know, we've got everything in there from mixed hardware and software to distributed teams to, you know, some different time zones and all the problems that, that come out of that. Teams actually working for different companies. We've got outsourcing kinds of uh, 
and, and cross-company collaboration issues. Um, and yet the book is is nice and compact. It's yeah. about 150 pages, so we, we kept it nice and concise. Somehow we and, kept it short. And and you can read it in an evening um, or on a train or on an airplane or something like that. And, and, and what I hope it will do is give people some ideas on how to apply Nexus and how Nexus could help them in the problems that they're solving. Even if they're not using all of Nexus, they might find some parts of it that are beneficial. And then over time, they might use more. Yeah, and it's kind of... Um... The inspiration for that too is also in um, our two-day course that we have, where um, I ask that that course be like a, a case study. So it's it's experiential, and the fact that you come in and in our workshop we say, "Hey, all right, what is what what are we going to do, and what does Nexus Sprint planning feel like? How would we do crossing refinement? How would we?" How would we do a scaled retrospective? How do you form a Nexus integration team? How do you form a Nexus? And it's it's all that experience, the, really the, the how, because like we said, the Nexus guide goes into the what, and this kind of hits the how, which I hope is helpful for um, the community out there. Yeah, certainly a valuable guide to anyone looking to, to scale their scrum practices, and, and hopefully they, they go out and pick up the book. There will be links in the show notes to the book uh, where you can pick it up on Amazon. Or is there a better place to buy it? Anywhere you can find it, I think. Anywhere you can find it. So, all right. So we'll point to Amazon. So we'll get the links in there. We'll highlight the book to the listeners because it is, um, I think it's a different take on scaling that perhaps uh, many of you have not seen before. And, uh, you know, hopefully this conversation has at least uh, sparked some interest and you'll check it out. At 150 pages, I'll certainly uh I think we have copies setting out to the PSTs on the way. If not, I'll pick one up and uh, read it on the train and check it out. So very exciting stuff. Congratulations again on getting the book published. Congratulations on the new Nexus guide coming out. I know those are both uh, very complicated and, and fun, but ultimately uh, worthwhile journeys. Uh, when I think about all of that work you've done in this space, and especially you know Ken did the forward, Ken Schwaber did the forward to this book. I know he's still involved in, in the Scrum Guide and the Nexus Guide. Can you share just what it's what it's like to to work with Ken collaboratively on these these efforts? You know, he's um, co-creator of Scrum, considered to be a genius in our in our community, has really done a lot for many people's careers. You know, just curious the the day to day or the interactions. If you have anything to share about just collaborating with Ken and, and what kind of experience that's been. I think the most valuable thing for me is is that Ken is. Um, incredibly insightful and also has this sort of really fa fantastic ability to immediately find the flaws in whatever you're working on and, <laughs> and, and pull it out and, 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 and so basically that that transparency and that you know I mean this inspecting and adapting is, is not just sort of a mantra it's sort of more of a way of life and and so Ken really embodies that and, and challenges you to do to do your best and, um, and and to really be clear about things. And so that's that's sort of an, an incredible both motivation and, and also an example. Yeah, I um, I've been lucky enough to to work with Ken for five or six years and, you know, have a personal relationship with him. And I think um, he is I adore him and he's. He's very funny. He's fun. Um, he is very focused, and he's just like an ultimate Jedi. What Kurt was saying in general, and I was I emailed him the other day and said, 
hey, my car is kind of falling apart. When should I buy a new car? Because he used to be an auto mechanic. And instead of just telling me, he's going to just pose two questions and have me really think about it. Do I really need a car? And that's what it's like to work with him, right? So it's just, it's elevating uh, my own thinking and it's elevating his thinking um, and we can create something new. And that's what it was like when we were writing the Nexus Guide together. Um, he certainly, obviously for him, the Scrum Guide was very important, but he, he certainly trusts us um, in, in many different facets, but he's, he's very strong at vision, focus. Um, and it's just been a pleasure. Roller coaster, but pleasure. <laughs> very good. So at this point of the show, I'd like to open it up to the two of you to promote anything that's going on with Scrum.org, if there's any upcoming courses. I know people will want to check out uh, Nexus and, and Scaled Scrum and uh, anything that you'd like to share with, with uh, the Agile for Humans community. It's all fair game. Uh, and also, <laughs> well, not everything. We, do, we, set, we set some limits with Patricia before the show. <laughs> So not everything. Um, I have to do a late night Agile for Humans. We should do those that. Yes, we should do Agile for Humans after dark. Ryan, is um, the Patriots, the Super Bowl up for discussion? Yes, you can, you can bring that up if you like. But since I live in Indiana and that's the home of the Colts, it might get interesting. Um, but no, that's, uh, that's fair. So you can bring up the Patriots. Congratulations. Um, I hope Philadelphia wins. And um, other than that, how can they uh, continue the conversation with you? Twitter, LinkedIn, things like that. So the floor is yours for you two to share. And I can't wait to see what you come up with. So I'll start. um, Several things that I'll try to be clear about is the Nexus Guide, the update, it's already up. It's on um, the Scrum.org website. So that's the updated Nexus Guide. You can read that there. Um, there's a lot of different, it's like an information radiator on that page. So there's a lot of case studies, white papers, etc. Um, we do have an upcoming class, uh, the two-day workshop that I talked about, uh, Scaled Professional Scrum, uh, where you walk through what does it feel like to be a Nexus, how would you start it? Um, I suggest you come if you're in a t- if you have several teams, bring people that are in your team because that's the best way to transfer the knowledge um, is to not have to transfer it at all. So um, that is in March in Boston um, uh, website. So there's a class up there. I think Kurt, Dave, and I will be here. So if people bring their books, we'll sign them. I don't know if that'll make it more valuable or not. Um, probably won't. So, so that's there. And um, we have several classes that are listed on the Scrum.org website. If you have any questions, um, I'm on Twitter, pmoonk88, 88, just Chinese people like that number. Um, and hand it over to you. Yeah, the only thing I, I have to add is that we're also doing a scale professional scrum. Uh, Steve Porter and I are doing a scale professional scrum class at the Agile India event, uh, March 10th through 12th. So if any of your community members are in India and are going to be in Bangalore or Bengaluru, um, then uh, we'll have that there. Um, we're also doing a train the trainer on the on the third day. So if there's any PSDs out there that are listening who are interested in uh, in uh, you know becoming trainers for the SPS course, then we'll have that. Um, we also uh, have blogs regularly, usually about scaling and leadership topics, and those are on the Scrum.org website. So if you subscribe to our blogs, then uh, you'll uh, get those. Oh yeah. Oh, so we brought up the indie one. I completely um, 
forgot that I will be in May in Gothenburg doing one with Frederick Wendt, another skilled professional scrum class, and that will also be a, a TTT um, in May. And other than that, uh, Kurt and I are kind of jamming away, thinking about, um, you know, things that are beyond the control of a nexus, but also outside of politics. So we're looking at things around measurement, measuring value in portfolio management. So we're, we're doing some development on that right now. Very good. So we'll get uh, links in the show notes to upcoming courses. I'll check the uh, the scrum.org site and get some links out uh, for there. Uh, I was just talking about our global reach with a, another person on a call earlier today. We do actually have a growing listener base in India. It's actually it's pretty pretty amazing. It's predominantly a U.S. Uh, podcast, but uh, we are starting to get. Um, I'll, uh, a significant portion of our listenership is is overseas and in India, so that hopefully they've listened to this show by the time we get it out, and they're able to join you at, at that course. It sounds like it's going to be a good event. Yeah. Well, all right, Patricia and Kurt, uh, thank you again for doing the show. Really enjoyed uh, hearing about the new things with Nexus. Uh, congratulations again on the book. Um, I think the only thing left to say is uh, go Eagles. Go fast. <laughs> Go Thanks, fast. No, and and uh, in all seriousness, uh, if the pa- if the Patriots win this one, it, it's got to be the greatest dynasty in NFL history. So well, thank you. we'll thank you. we'll see how that goes. But um, it's really amazing. I thought Jacksonville had them, but nope. <laughs> cannot you have to be up forty points on Tom Brady before the end of the game? So surprise. Uh, if there's any, if you have any questions about Nexus, anything about what we discussed today, leave them, and we'll. Uh, Forward those on to uh, people who can answer them at scrum.org or some other other listeners familiar with Nexus, and we'll get those answered and, and check those out. So, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for being there, and have a great afternoon. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and scrum on.